What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and continued blessings for the new year to all of y'all out there. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to the fans out there, stateside and worldwide, for continuing to show the support. Guys, we thank y'all for continuing to rock with us here in 2022, as we have some big things coming up this year, as always. As you heard in the opening, we have the private Facebook group, The Vault Podcast Record Club, all the fans and supporters out there listening to this please make sure you check the link in the show notes and click that link to join the Facebook group, the vault podcast record club. We're going to have lots of great discussions in there. Y'all lots of exclusives, live chats, and also some giveaways during the year. So make sure y'all check out and you don't miss out being a part of what's going on. The vault podcast record club as well to all those who want to support the vault. As we mentioned there too, the buy me a coffee. We have one set up there where you can support the vault by giving a small donation any donation is greatly appreciated and continued and ensures that we continue to open the vault and keep that vault open for all the classics you review for y'all. Everything is very much well appreciated and ensures that we can keep going. We do it here all for you. As we say here on the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And we continue with our preview here. As I mentioned on the last week's show, we have a new set of years that we're doing here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast of albums celebrating their 20th, 25th, and 30th anniversaries on these years. Those albums coming out during 1992, 1997, and 2002. And we're doing another review this year and a preview of what's to come for this particular year. So for this episode, we're going to be doing a preview of the year that was and of the music that came out during the year of 1997. Now, <laughs> apologies to 1997 and for anything that came out or happened during that year. After such an explosive year of great material and a lot of news and happenings and the music industry during that time, following up a year like 1996, is almost impossible to do. <laughs> In that respect, I think then 1997 gets a bit of, ba- of a bad rap when it comes to hip-hop albums in some respect because how can you follow up an act like the year of 1996? It's, it's very, very hard to do. But uh, some very important things still happened during this year. Some great albums were released during this year. And culture-wise, the things that happened in 1997 maybe reverberated as big, if not bigger, than what happened in 1996. And we're talking about a year which included the death of Tupac Shakur. So we'll go ahead and get right into it to talk about the year that was of 1997. Now, before we get into the actual music that came out, we'll talk a little bit about some of the events that happened. News events and newsworthy events that happened. And really, we can't talk about 1997 
without talking about things that are actually entertainment related and actually to highlight three major deaths which happened during that year, which are, you know, one is directly hip hop related and a couple are kind of somewhat hip hop related, but more so related to how things were in the world during that time. So the first one that I'll kick off with, because it was the first one to happen that year, and it was the biggest news story in hip hop during that particular time. Um, and was the biggest, I want to say probably one of the biggest top five news stories of that year period, whether it was music related or otherwise was the murder of the notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie, uh, Christopher Wallace, in March of 1997. Specifically, it was the early morning of March 9th, 1997, when Christopher Wallace, the notorious B.I.G., was gunned down while in L.A. attending the Soul Train Awards. It was a tragedy. It, it's, it's something that, and we'll have an episode where we will talk about 25th anniversary of Biggie's death um, sometime this year. But just to give you an idea, in 1997, I had just turned 15. And during that time in 97, you know, you're, you're sort of like kind of still like working in the fact that Tupac is dead and gone now. And, you know, Biggie had an album that was supposed to come out and it's going to be coming out now in the spring of 97. With the thing that happened with Tupac when he died, he was she got shot and didn't die until six days later. So we kind of knew up until that point that, you know, it, it was a possibility. So just to give you a quick antidote in regards to finding out how I found out how big he died. I was getting ready for church because the day that he died, actually, that morning was a Sunday morning. I was getting ready for church that day when I turned on the radio and found out that Biggie died. And I think that for the rest of that day, I was kind of like in a haze because I think like I sat there when I heard it on the radio, I was like, what do you mean Biggie's dead? Like just out of nowhere, he's gone. You know, now this is 1997. The internet is around, but there were no blogs out during, I mean, there were blogs or websites, but there were no blogs out there by that time. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram, no TikTok. There was no Facebook. You didn't get, news sort of in real time like you did now. There was no TMZ out back then. So a lot of people found out that news by that morning. And I feel like that entire day on the radio, that's all that I that we we're talking about. It was huge because you're talking about one of the two or three biggest stars in hip hop during that time. One of the biggest stars in the music industry, period. And it came out of left field. Shock would be the word that I think that everybody had. It was just, you couldn't fathom the fact that this, you know, rap star that had become at that point, like he said, a hip hop phenomenon that literally came, you know, built up this rags to riches story was the underdog story that I think a lot of people sort of rooted for. And all of a sudden now he was gone. Now, mind you, this was six months after Tupac died we're talking about a very short time period. So within six months, you had the death of Tupac Shakur. You had the death of Biggie Smalls. And that's when I think at that point, when, when we had Biggie's death, Tupac's death was already jarring enough. But when Biggie died, I think that's really when the industry sort of sat back and said, hold the fuck up. It's like, what the fuck? just 
happen. And it was the industry, and I think fans were like that too. I if anybody who was out and around during that time, if you can listen, if you were you knew what was going on, if you were cognizant and paying attention to the news, if you were into hip hop music, if you were into music, period, it was a huge shock. Like I think everybody when we got to school that next Monday, it was just kind of like, yo, y'all hear about Biggie? Yeah, of course I heard about Biggie. So it really was shocking. And that would lead me actually to something that I'll talk about in other news that happened later on that year, which was sort of related. So later on that year, in the summer, fashion designer and a popular fashion designer, one of the biggest fashion designers in the world, Gianni Versace was murdered in Miami. And he was murdered by, we know now, Andrew Cunanan, who was obsessed with Johnny Versace and killed him in Miami. Now, this isn't a hip-hop story, but, you know, Versace was becoming very popular within the hip-hop industry because a lot of rappers were mentioning the brand in their raps. Biggie was one of them. Lil' Kim was another one. A lot of people, rappers, were starting to wear Versace because it was an elite fashion brand it had this aura of elitism. Like, you know, that was, it had this aura of sort of like exclusivity. Like you wear Versace and Versace is of the best. And it was one of the top fashion brands in the world. And he was one of the top fashion designers in the world. It was one of the most recognizable brands in the world. And so when he died, it it sort of, that also was a great deal of great sadness for a lot of people in the fashion and also in entertainment. And a lot of people spent that year really memorializing Johnny Versace and what he meant to the fashion industry. But then not too long after Versace died later on that summer was the death of Princess Diana, um, which happened in August of 1997, which again, not hip hop related, but you know, things that I can remember that a lot of folks in the music industry paid tribute to her because of what she meant to people, not just in the United Kingdom and in Britain and England, but what she meant to people around the world and what she stood for, her image, Princess Diana did. And I can remember in 1997 at the Video Music Awards MTV that Diddy and, you know, the rest of the members of the family, like Faith and 112, were doing a the performance of I'll Be Missing You, which was the song that they wrote for Biggie and his passing that became a huge number one hit. And they did the crossover with Sting coming to sing as well because they sampled the police record. I'll be watching you for that one. And I remember during that time near the end that Diddy shouted out not only Biggie, but Johnny Versace and Princess Diana, who had died a couple of weeks before then. So again, Versace and Diana, not really hip hop related directly, but you know, it's, they were sort of intertwined because a lot of folks in the music industry paid attention to all three deaths in particular Biggie. So, again, we'll have more about the Biggie death later on this year in a bonus episode. But speaking of Biggie's death, in April of 1997, Louis Farrakhan, who was the leader of the Nation of Islam, um, then and also now, called a summit in Chicago at the NOI headquarters, Nation of Islam headquarters in Chicago, to help bring an end to violence among rap artists during that particular time. Now, this is on the heels of Biggie dying about six, seven months away from Tupac dying. But then there were a number of different things that were happening in the industry during that time that you kind of felt like that a powder keg could explode. So what you were dealing with during that time wasn't just the debts of Tupac and Biggie. 
but you had him bringing key members in the rap industry to the nation of Islam headquarters for this summit. And they had meetings where they, you know, had meetings at the mosque in Los Angeles, NOI mosque in Los Angeles, another one in New York, the other one had in Atlanta. They really wanted to say they wanted to put what this, they were calling this East West rivalry to rest, even though we know that the East West rivalry was something made up by the media, but they had people there on hand like Snoop, like the Dog Pound, Ice Cube, Bone Thugs, um, Nate Dog, Channel Live, Mac 10, Dub C, Common, Fat Joe, Chuck D. One of the person that wasn't there, obviously, was Diddy. But, you know, during this particular time, you know, a lot of people sort of squashed their differences. Corrupt from the Dog Pound and Busy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony had sort of a, you know, some sort of beef, but then they all kind of like squashed the beef between the two of them and you know you could definitely see that they they were waiting to sort of squash that beef it had been weighing heavily on them what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co but another one though was there was a beef between ice cube and comet now, Ice Cube and Common had sort of a rift between the two of them because Ice Cube took exception to Common's I Used to Love Her song and the lyrics about the girl in his song going to the West Coast, hanging out with gangsters and gangster bitches. Cube then dissed Common, Common then dissed Cube, and there were a few things that were happening. I mean, obviously, there's also been some, some uh, <laughs> have been some stories recently about you know, common and him being around certain folks and basically people making sure that nothing happened to him because there was some big beef between the two camps, but the two of them got up and hugged it out, you know, really sort of just squashing that type of beef. And later, even years later, they collaborated on projects, even were in the last barbershop movie, which was based in, in Chicago. The movie is common actually starting it with ice cube, which I thought was funny that the two of them were sort of at odds with each other during the particular movie. But they worked it out during that summer. Cube also reconciled his differences with Cam and Shorty from Lynch Mob. So there were a lot of things going on during that summit that sort of led to ease the tensions of what were going on. Because at that point, when you lose two of the biggest names in the game and there are more beefs going on and things were starting to head into a wayward direction, there needed to be some sort of come together moment and props to Farrakhan getting those brothers together and having them squash their differences so that more blood wouldn't be shed. Now, obviously it's not something that has been solved. Even this past year in 2021, we saw a number of rappers lose their life to violence. You know, even in 2020 King Vaughn pop smoke, young Dolph, you know, a lot of different other rappers have lost their lives to violence. So it's been a problem that's been ongoing. But back then, after you lose two of the biggest names in the game, you want to make sure that you can do something to sort of stem the tide. And that's exactly what happened. We mentioned Diddy, that Diddy wasn't one of the artists that showed up at the summit. But during this time, Diddy during 1997 became one of the biggest commercial artists in the music industry and definitely, I would say during that time was the biggest in the rap game commercially. Now, note what I said commercially, he was the biggest artist in the game. He stepped in to take the role that was left to vacant by Biggie and 
he had a huge album that came out that year, Puff Daddy and the Family, No Way Out, which came out during the summer of 1997. It sold a lot of records. It had a couple of number one rap records on there. The I'll Be Missing You record was a huge, huge record for him. And that became a time where he was the producer, kind of like had featured on some songs, but he became an artist, really, at that time. And it wasn't the best rap record in the world, but it helped to make him the biggest star in the music during that time. He won a Grammy behind that. And that was the same Grammy Awards that, yes, Old Dirty Bastard got up and said that Wu-Tang was for the children. So <laughs> he became big, man. The music videos that he came out with were like almost like mini productions. The music that he came out with was huge. Bad Boy during this time pumped out projects. They had Black Rob a few years later. The Locks came out with their album Money, Power, Respect in 1998. I mean, he started accumulating, like, you know, 112's success on Bad Boy continued there as well. So, did he really capitalize on the fact that he had the spotlight? And the spotlight was on his company because his company's biggest star had been gunned down. A company, a star that was beloved by so many people in the industry and by fans. So, he definitely capitalized from it. And that was the start, I would say, that led him to being basically what he is now, Billionaire Diddy. I mean, the music success led to so many different other things that he could definitely profit from as a businessman. But that's when he became like, you know, um, music mogul Diddy to now I'm mogul Diddy overall. So that was the start of it all, really. It was the start of Diddy's success. But heading into the albums that came out during 1997, so some of the rap albums that came out, Incredible Year, again, not something that you would measure up to the success of 1996, but something that when you take a listen to I mean, look at some of these albums that came out during this time, it's an impressive list. Camp Lowe's Uptown Saturday Night, incredible, incredible record produced partially by DJ Ski and uh, Ski Beats. And just really something that when you talk about rap fans, especially I like to talk a lot about hip hop Twitter, hold this album in high regard. Scarface is untouchable. Of course, I talked about Biggie's albums, Life After Death, and how big and huge that album was. It released two weeks after his death. And uh, we'll talk about that during that bonus episode about how big that album was. Big Mike's Still Serious. Wu-Tang releasing their double CD, their first CD since Enter the 36 Chambers, forever. I mean, just an incredible record. Capone and Noriega, The War Report. <laughs> One of the biggest, I would say, cult classic success and albums that came out during that time that now, 25 years later, has grown to, like I say, a mythology. The mythology around this album has grown in the 25 years. And for a group that I would say a lot of folks before 1997 didn't know a lot about, as far as mainstream was concerned, to where the popularity of this album 25 years later is astounding. Missy Elliott making her debut, really giving us and helping to usher in that Timberland sound and her unique profile as an artist with Super Duper Fly, a big, big indie underground classic, Company Flow, Fun Crusher Plus. I mean, <laughs> the underground heads in here, the ones who were into raucous and into underground hip hop and the lyricist lounge will tell you all about Fun Company Flow and Fun Crusher Plus. OC, Jules. Man, everyone will tell you about how great Word Life was, and it's an incredible album. But I think a lot of folks probably hold this album probably in higher regard. And back then, this was one of the few albums in 1997 that I copped myself, and it was one of my prized possessions that I had in my CD collection before I lost everything in the fire. 
Jay-Z's second album, his sophomore album in my lifetime, volume one. I mean, this was the follow-up to Reasonable Doubt. You know, definitely an album that had some memorable tracks on there as well. And Commons, One Day It'll All Make Sense, his third album, uh, album that, again, is held in, in big regard by his fans and also fans out there amongst the Twitterverse and just really an incredible album as well. So a lot of albums came out during that time and some good R&B albums during that time, essentially, especially albums that came out during what I think might be a period or a week when some of the greatest hip hop releases of the 1990s came out. And I'm talking about a period between September 8th, September 16th, 1997, where you had four R&B albums that were complete classics and things that definitely even now, 25 years later, We'll still get heavy rotation. I'm talking about these albums released during that time were John B's Cool Relax, Usher's My Way, Mariah Carey's Butterfly, and the Soul Food soundtrack. So within a week or so, all these albums are pretty much released and, you know, definitely gave a lot of great R&B material from all four of those albums. Other album as well that we'll talk about that came out during that time from the documentary of Soul in the Hole came out in 1997 too. So Lots of great material to cover from 1997. (laughs) Really, really great music. Again, you can't stack it up to 1996. But if you look at some of those some of those albums that I just named, you can definitely see it's an impressive list and something that, you know, despite it all, you know, people will point to 1997 as the year when the shiny suit era sort of began and that hip hop really started to go into the commercial like front from 97 into the late 90s. But, you know, without a doubt, if you look at some of these albums, they're albums that still today are still very highly regarded by many in the game and by fans worldwide. It'll be a fun year to cover. A lot of these albums will be getting really in-depth, too, during some of our during our album reviews and also our bonus episodes. But be on the lookout as well for the 25th anniversary of the murder of Notorious B.I.G. Well, we, we will be having that. And that's going to be something that for many in my generation will be something that we can recall. What, where were you when you found out that Biggie was killed? And it's one of those type of moments for us. When we talk about when you found out things about music, when you heard things for the first time, when you found something out, for those in my generation, when we found out that Biggie had died, it was, I know, something that nobody will ever forget where they were, or who they heard it from. You know, it'll be something to be fun to be able to cover leading up to covering Life After Death, which was his second album, that double album that came out two weeks after he passed. So it will be a fun year covering 1997, y'all. It will be a fun year being able to cover the things that happened during that year and covering these albums. So make sure y'all stay tuned and, hey, interact with us. We want to hear from y'all. Go to vaultclassicpod.com. Go ahead and join the mailing list. We told y'all about the Vault Podcast Record Club, the private group on Facebook. It's in the show notes. Check out the link to the group. Join the group. Answer some questions you're in. We're going to have a lot of great discussion in there, y'all. Some live chats, some giveaways, some exclusives. So make sure y'all are in there and listening and uh, y'all are paying attention to what's going on. You don't want to miss anything as well. And that's going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. Just go to our website on vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there and get to any one of our streaming sources. You can leave a review on the website. You can even leave us a voice message. 
And we encourage you to go ahead and do that. Click on the microphone in the bottom right hand corner. You'll be able to leave a voice message. Let us know what you think about the reviews. Let us know what you think about the show. Show us some love. You want to tell us we're full of shit. Hey, <laughs> we'll accept all of it. And make sure as well that you're going to the bottom left hand corner and clicking on that coffee cup for buy me a coffee to support the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast to ensure that we can continue bringing you great content through 2022 and even beyond. Any donation and contribution is greatly appreciated and ensures that we can continue to open the vault. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.